everybody. Thanks for downloading the Friday Fish Fry Podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Tim. And today we're sitting down with Julian Kegel, owner of Kegel's Inn. And uh, did you know, I'm going to uh, jump right into this, you are the number one fish fry, according to the Friday Fish Fry Podcast guests. Yeah. No kidding. You not, come not up more me, than... Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> that is more, awesome. More than any other fish fry. Righteous. People always... It always starts with Kegels, so... Yeah, there's something special about this place, you know? It's not just in the beer, but there's, there's something about just walking into this building that makes you go, wow, I feel like I'm in a different world, right? Yeah, when you come here on Fridays, yeah. too, it's nuts like if you don't have a reservation here it's you're not getting in you know but i i wouldn't discourage anybody from not having that because it's actually a lot of the fun parts of you know you explore milwaukee and there's all these gems to to uh to find right and when you stumble in on this place and you have no idea what to expect and you walk in and it's flush with people and they're everybody's drinking a beer or an old-fashioned and they uh you know they stop and pause and it's like this beginning of the envelope that they have to open up and, you know, you have to find out where to put your name in, right? right? right. And, and Jim always wears a tie or matching socks with his ties, you uh-huh. know, so yeah. he'll always be, like, noticeable right off the bat. You know, he's got the clipboard and, yep. and he's, he'll take your name and you just get to put it down and he'll tell you how long it's going to be. Sometimes it's half hour, sometimes it's an hour and in length, sometimes it can yeah. be two hours. I mean, <laughs> has he been here for like a hundred years? <laughs> it I, seems I, like it, right? Because I used yeah. to come here with my grandpa when I was a kid and yeah. I swear that guy was here when I was yeah. a kid yeah. too, so... Yeah, uh, a lot of the a lot of the staff here, uh, even though we took over in 2016, have been working here ever since that f- the third generation. So since the 80s and 90s, um, we have one waitress that's going on 40 years on and off here. I wow. mean, that's incredible, right? Yeah, so they see me as a little punk redhead kid, yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, my dad uh, uh, raised us at, in the Wheel and Sprocket family, right. so we actually only come to Kegels Inn for holidays and birthday parties and stuff like that, which I think is really what's special about this place. Because like, you, maybe you came here for like your 80th, your grandma's 80th birthday party, and then 25 years later, you move back to Milwaukee or you're home for the holidays, and somebody asks one of your buddies asks you to go get a beer and a fish fry at Kegels Inn, and you go wait, I've been here before, you know, (laughs) and it just triggers these sort of, uh, you know, monumental memories of, of what it's like to be in an old, an older place with analog machinery. Like the, the highest piece of technology in this building is this microphone, right? (laughs) (laughs) We have a, we have a credit card system and a cash register from 1956 when it still works and it does everything we need, you know, and that's hilarious. It's pretty, it's pretty hilarious, especially when you hear the ka-chunk and people are like, what, that actually works, you know, because most places it's just a, you know, it's just a stakeholder on the bar, right? It's part of the decor and we know we try and keep a really nice and clean environment here because we let the building speak for itself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like older with character, but it's not like dingy in here or like... Mm -hmm. Uh, we call it patina, actually. Oh, patina. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and if you look at the walls, um, compared to like the original picture of the bar sure. in the 20s, yeah. there w- it was white walls. There wasn't any murals on it, and that wasn't bec- it wasn't because of uh, anything other than uh, this was supposed to be a, uh, a soda pop parlor, oh. right? And there's a lot of like drinking and, and festivities on the murals now. Yeah. Yeah. So that actually happened all after Prohibition was rescinded, right? And this place sort of flourished as uh, that place, that German place to be in nice. in Milwaukee. Wow. So how old are these murals then? Uh, so interesting fact that I didn't learn until I came to Wisconsin is that uh, the Tavern League, we always hear about how strong the Tavern League is yeah. in Wisconsin, yeah. right? And I didn't really put the two and two together until 
my found while I was going through all the old photographs and just trying to find the history of this place. So I find this drink uh, arrest ticket from my great grandpa, grandma, Anna, okay? And it's from 1927, okay? And I'm like, well, a lot of people got caught selling booze during Prohibition, and it actually would make them lose their business, right? They'd lose their liquor license, or they'd lose their, their establishments, and they'd lose their building, and that was a big risk, right? So, so they must have had some sort of inf- inside knowledge as to what was going on in legislation, because like Colorado passed marijuana laws early before the federal, federal program is, you know, hopefully goes some, through someday. Yeah. Wisconsin was one of the first... Um, states in the nation to uh, stop their enforcement of prohibition. And that was in 1928. So they must have lawyered up, right? <laughs> and, and spent that year just waiting for that legislation to pass, right? And then it did, and it saved Kegels in. Huh. So it wasn't for another five more years until federal uh, prohibition ended. And then they were safe to really sort of build on. And that's when the second story of this building came to be. They pushed the restaurant back to its now location. The kitchen uh, is sort of cemented into where it is now. Mm-hmm. And then there's five apartments upstairs. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. Crazy. Totally. I did not know that either about good old Wisconsin. Yeah, me neither. So. I would love to be fact-checked on that, but that's my story. <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's worked. That works for me. Yeah, Someone's totally. going to listen at home yeah, and be like, no, no <laughs> like, that's totally wrong. <laughs> that's Michigan. But it's a good story. Yeah, that yeah. is a great story. Mm-hmm. When uh, when did you become West Dallas Landmark number six? Uh, 2010. Oh, okay. And actually, we were just reading Bottoms Up, which we're, we're sort of featured in like the 50 heritage taverns in Wisconsin. Yeah. And oh. it says we're in the National Registry, but I'd actually don't think we are. I think it's just West Dallas. Mm. Um, but I think they did just with the West Dallas landmark resignate or designation because I think it would be much harder to change anything uh, in this building if we had to if we had to make sure every little yeah. thing was to historical standards. You know, this place is just is really well built in the first place, which is why it's still standing as good a condition as it is, right? Mm. But as we know, all this really high-end mahogany wood, you know, this, it comes at a premium for sure, yeah. Yeah. right? And there was more of it back then, right? right? Yeah. So. But they, West Dallas is national enough, in my opinion. Amen to that, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> it is. I mean, West Dallas, you know, Alice Chalmers, Chalmers yeah. was right down the road. Um, you with uh, Harnish Vager, uh, Kegel's Inn was a boom spot for lunches, you know. Right. As Greenfield Avenue was full of... Uh, tuxedo shops and suits yeah. and, and shoe shops for all the working gentlemen in town. And yeah. huh. that was a really big sort of ep- uh, econ- economic epicenter of Milwaukee for a long time, right? Yeah. Maybe even the world. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you're not, so you're not off with that, know, actually. I'm, a, I'm born and raised. Yeah, Tim's getting so. all jacked up right now. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk. Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> so anytime I can get prideful about my city, I do. So. Amen. Yeah, I think West Dallas is finally getting the point of, like, singing its praises and singing its history. Yeah. And a lot of people still, like, sort of have this dirty Stalas yeah. uh, nostalgia, yeah. right? Yeah. But look at West Dallian Brewing. Like, they're, they're the first brewery in West Dallas. Like, how is that possible? <laughs> like, how did it take until 2017 to get a brewery in yeah, this city, crazy. right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think with the with the um, Eat West Dallas and the restaurant scene sort of blossoming here in yeah. in uh, in West Dallas, they we sort of believe that it's 
it's like this next Bayview, right? Like the restaurants are going to come in first because they realize that there's great, um, great market share here. Uh, the demographics are good enough and the housing stock is like way better than the Polish flats down in Bayview. So you can get a really nice craftsman as a first time home buyer and actually start with a community that's all walkable and has great restaurants and nice downtown and slow crime and like all the every and 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 right. Yep. So yep. and the mayor is a good dude. He is a super yeah, good Danny dude. D. Danny, Danny D. Danny D. Love Friend of the show. Yeah, yep. we, we, we got a few beers with him at Benno's one night. Amen. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, he's a he's a jewel here. Yeah. You know, he actually is one of the biggest proponents for us uh, closing National Avenue for our Oktoberfest, right? And like, when I approached the city, the engineers were like, you know, that's really going to be a lot of work. And I was like. <laughs> Okay, but let's let's outline it. Let's right. make sure it's doable first before we say yes to anything. And then Dan got wind of it, and Dan loved the idea. So then 20 <laughs> minutes later, I get a call from the engineers, and they're like, we're going to make this happen. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, it's good to know the people, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think, you know, for, for Dan's sake, he knows that creating spaces are really what makes West yeah. Dallas, right? And especially when it's all driven by automobiles, to take it over and and give it back to the pedestrian is something so special. People remember that for a long time. That's why Eat West Dallas is so popular. I'm sorry, uh, why a la carte is so popular. Because you get to be on, like, in the middle of the road, and you don't have to worry about cars. Your children can go skate on the Transaction Mini Park, you know, and, like, they can do the bounce castles, and you can have a beer, yeah, right? right? And delicious food. Yeah. So win-win, right? Yeah, I, w I went to the a la carte, took a nice picture for, uh, for our podcast Instagram page. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Anytime West Dallas is throwing something, I'm there, usually. For sure. That's true. It's true. So, what makes your fish fry so good? <laughs> That's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, well, I, well, I think part of it is that we do everything by hand, okay? We, I personally and my no brother-in-law, no fish sticks, right? <laughs> we get it in. And I hand cut it. We hand bread it. Um, it's you know it's a labor oh, of so love. It's not even it really pre cut art. Like no, no. Here. Yeah, we 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 basically fillet everything for the fish fry every Friday morning, and this process has been going on since like the early '70s and '80s. So like, we talk about like being good at something, right? Like we knock that stuff out. I mean, there's hundreds of pounds of fish that get uh, get coated in a, just a couple hours. So <laughs> crazy. Yeah, talk about German efficiency, right? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. That's the BMW yeah. manufacturing. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but if you go back there, the, the kitchen is tiny, and it's it is so crazy because there's all this like old wood on the butcher blocks, and we still use them. The health department actually uh, hated us for a while because they wanted us to go to plastics and and metals and stuff like that. But then they figured out that wood is a much better. It has a much better closure rate than plastic. Oh. Once you put a knife cut in plastic, it stays there, right? Mm -hmm. And bacteria can grow and stuff like that, right? So then yeah. these old wood butcher blocks, they can take a knife cut, and then they'll seal up with moisture, right? They'll swell back together and, and inhibit any microbe oh. growth. Brilliant, right? Oh, crazy, so yeah. it took us, you know, 20 years of plastic to figure Dang. out that wood was actually better. <laughs> and because Kegels doesn't change, it's still that it's way, like, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm so distracted just looking at all the murals and the, <laughs> yeah. the, the stained glass and everything. Yeah. I feel bad because it's like you're talking. I'm like, oh, wow. Well, like, you know, but honestly, that was one of the biggest reasons why we even thought about coming back to Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. I met my wife up in Alaska when we were both guides uh -huh. up there, right? Mm -hmm. 
And where in Alaska? Yeah, uh, this was a place called Seward, Alaska. Oh, so yeah. it's right on the coast and oh, right nice. where the glaciers meet the ocean. Yeah. And Stephanie was a sea kayaking guide, and you know, I mean, it was just we fell in love right away. Like even though we pretended not to be, of course, like <laughs> we had to push it off to the end of the summer yeah. and then <laughs> and then put distance between us. And then we were like, wait a second, that was uh, that was a bad idea, <laughs> right? Yeah, we should we should just uh, hang on to this. Uh, so I was an ice climbing and glacier guide, and wow. I'd spend as much time as I could in the winter outside on the on the ice or in the snow, backcountry skiing. And when we came back, or when, actually when we like, we spent three years up, three summers up there, and we'd winter in Colorado or back home, and it wasn't our business, so we were always working our butts off for somebody else. Um, the scheduling is up there is insane. Everything's extractive, so you're working every day for somebody else and putting, yeah. pouring all this love and energy into the outdoors for other people to enjoy it, which is wonderful, and everybody's got a great experience by going on these uh, ice or, or um, sea kayaking tours with us. But ultimately, we were giving that energy away and nobody was giving any back, oh, yeah. right? And so that's what I really love about Kegels is like there's such a love for this place and you get so much energy from people coming in with all these great expectations or none, you know, and then leaving with great ones, right? But you get this really high quality, genuine, authentic energy by just dealing with the people that are our customers here. Yeah. It's really cool. Crazy. And it's a beautiful environment, right? Like yeah. I need beauty in my life. I'm a photographer. So yeah. like in order to survive my day, I need sunlight and <laughs> something beautiful to stare at, right? Yeah. right? And every time you look at the walls, you can find new things to look at. I mean, it's, it took this guy seven years to do these murals. Wow. Right? That must have been quite Crazy. the beer trade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, unbelievable, really. Like, how does that happen? Yeah. And so I'm actually, uh, I'm, I'm lucky enough to, to have um, this guy, Walter Newman, who's in his 80s, and he helped paint Carl Roche's exterior. He's still alive. He's looking for an apprentice, wink, wink. You know, like, he is coming in here, and he's going to do some of the touch-up. Oh, nice. He has cancer, you know. Like, it's one of these things that there's some immediacy to his work because of that legacy that he'll leave, right, of being that sort of that last generation of German caricature painter for right. German restaurants. Yeah. Wow. And we're between me and Mater's, That's we're it. it. Yeah. Right? Uh. There's only two left. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Wait, I have a question. Sure. What's brewing up there, too? Yeah. <laughs> is, now, is your wife from here, too? No. Okay, I no. was like... That would have been too weird. Yeah. <laughs> but I did go all the way to Alaska to find a girl from the Midwest. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> yeah. She's from Michigan, so right. just south of Grand Rapids. Right. Maybe I got to go back up to Alaska to uh, find, yeah. find my woman <laughs> You should always go back to Alaska. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you should. Yeah, you got to go go before all the glaciers melt. Yeah. Right? I was there when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. He was there. He was there recently. Sure. Nice. Yeah, like three summers ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we drove the Dalton. Yep. So went up in the Arctic Ocean. Ditching, huh? It was amazing. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't want to do anything else. I just want to keep going back there. Totally. Like, oh, well, we could go to Mexico, but... Yeah, I was kind of bummed. I was. I had a plan uh, to drive all the way to, up to Prudhoe at the end of the guide season, um, but it, this huge rainstorm kept everybody uh, trapped in Seward for three weeks. I mean, 55 inches of rain fell in three weeks. Cow. So, like, mountains came down on, on oh. people, right? And so it delayed us leaving, uh, so Stephanie jetted to go to Colorado. She's like, I'm out of here. I can't stay in the rain. I need some sunshine. And I was like, well, I'll stay, stick around for a couple of weeks and I'll just do a drive up to the Arctic and see if I can't photograph the, the northernmost tree in North America yeah. road accessible. I was like, that'd be a cool project. Right. Yeah. 
So I didn't realize that it was like, you know, October at this point and it's practically all frozen up there. Right. Yeah. And I'm living in my Honda element at the time. You know, I've been there for two years. Right. Yeah. They're total (laughs) adventure vehicles. And I'm driving this ice road. I'm doing like 60 and I get out and I'm just like amazed that this road is actually built up with ice with little gravel pieces for traction. Right. And I'm thinking doing, I'm doing pretty good time until this huge semi tanker just flies by me at like 150 miles an hour, <laughs> spurting water everywhere over the road. And then sure enough, the gravel trucks right behind him. Oh, right. Oh wow. So they were layering the ice from the summer's melt, right. Oh, to yeah. get it back up for the winter travel. Right. Crazy. Totally crazy. Yeah. So I'm in dead horse uh, or cold foot. I think it was, it was one of the n- northernmost gas stations yep. before the bar in there. Yep. Yep. Bar restaurant. Yeah. Yep. It's pretty hopeless. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you pull up to this thing. It's like the epicenter of their worlds. Right. And you walk down this long hallway and it's like the wall of shame for all the truck drivers that have like biffed it into the, <laughs> into the ditches. Right. And the carnage that's ensued. So they always take a picture and po- post it up on the bar there. Right. So, just as a memory of how dangerous and treacherous it is, right? So it's probably a good reason ice road truckers, you know, like showed that carnage, right? Or maybe it didn't. I I don't have a TV, so. But everybody was stoked about that show, you know? It's kind of like that introduction to Alaska, right? Yeah, totally. Ooh, memory lane. Yeah, right? It's cool. It's cool. (laughs) So I guess I'm going to backtrack a little bit sure, then. Sure. so because we kind of started heading towards photography yeah so this was that like blew my mind we were at 1840 mm-hmm. and then it's like all this like beautiful f- photography like it looked like nat geo stuff and i was like 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 wow like checking it out while we're talking to uh doing the interview and when we finished he's like oh yeah uh keggles in uh he, he took those and yeah. we're like what <laughs> <laughs> so when did that start well I'll back up too. That's actually okay. how I heard of the Fish Fry podcast, yeah. right? Okay. Kyle is a yeah. grade school buddy. We grew up together oh, okay. and have just been friends ever since. You know, like we grew up maybe five blocks from each other. We always rode bikes, go down the river, and like just yeah. be kids, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, when I heard that, I was like, oh man, that's awesome. And then he gave me a call out on, on at Kegels, and I was like, oh, that's awesome, you know? And so, like, here we are, yeah. right? Yeah. A couple months later, and. Yeah. Uh, what was so the question? You guys are both. You guys are. <laughs> you guys are both here, and yeah. then you go to Colorado and Alaska, uh-huh. and then you end up back here. And well, I think one of the specific messages that we're trying to instill in our friend group and our ki- our our friends our age is like to reverse the dr- the brain drain in Milwaukee, because so many kids left in Colorado and. I mean, how many Midwesterners do you know have moved to Denver? Oh, yeah. But I personally think Denver is just as far away from the mountains as Milwaukee is, right? You can hop on a flight and be in Aspen in four and a half hours or go to Bozeman or, you know, fly into BC. And you can can have this stuff in this luxury world we live in now. Like, you don't have – I mean, it's gorgeous. It's, you know, it's sunny. All these things Wisconsin's not, right? (laughs) (laughs) But we can make do because we know it's there and we can get there quickly, right? Yeah. So anyway, totally. so Milwaukee is just like this, you know, this freshwater ocean. It's like totally unique uh, to wake up and look east and see nothing but but water, yep. right? Should take that for granted. Without totally. the East Coast mentality, yeah. no offense, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> You're not from the East Coast, are no, you? No, okay, no. All right, yeah, yeah. no. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a fair point yeah. because mm-hmm. you know, those people in East Coast can be a bit rough. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And they don't have fish fries, right? They yeah. don't. Why yeah. is it just in Wisconsin? Yeah, I don't get it, right? Yeah. I, w- I lived in Portland for five years before Alaska, and you try and find like a fish fry, right? And all these restaurants are like, well, we have 
fish. <laughs> sure, you can have fish, right? Yeah, yeah we've got lots of fish, right? <laughs> but no, do you fry it? Yeah. You know, no, we would never do that, you know? Like, <laughs> they turn their nose up to it or we something. Only have ahi tuna steak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, yeah. yeah, totally. Perfect. But actually, maybe you guys know, like, why is it that Wisconsin's so popular? Well, we just learned, yeah. um, we interviewed uh, comedian Joe Para. <laughs> He has a show on um, Adult Swim on yeah. Cartoon Network, and he's from Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And he was telling us they have fish fries there, because nice. yeah. apparently they have the same mix of like Catholic, mm. so then like the Lent and everything, German and, and Irish, and yeah, yeah. I think that's mm. what it. I think it goes hand in hand with the German, the Irish, history. Catholics. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, that's what we. That's where we're not experts, but that's where we're going with. Yeah, so. that's her story. We're sticking yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Correct. Correct us if we're wrong. No, yeah. <laughs> bunch of Snopes articles about yeah, our right. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, the Tavern League actually did yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> Fish fries are because of this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, when did photography start? That was my original question. Yeah. Right. Um, it started in the dark room. Uh, I went to university oh. school, uh, and I had this uh, I had this teacher named Mr. Genius, which was phenomenal, <laughs> right? Because he was a master at everything. You know, he could yeah. draw, he could paint, he could sculpt. He was a potter. He was a photographer. I mean, everything. And every year was like fascinating class to be in. And then in grade school, you get to use like the darkroom lab that's up in the high school art room, right? And you're yeah. like, oh my god, I'm not worthy. And you go in and you learn processing and you just start with like basic blocks and shapes and contrasts, right? And you just figure out how the film works with the chemicals and how you're playing with uh, with just like light and the absence of it, right? Mm-hmm. And so to me, black and white photography was always sort of like one of those things you look for before it ever goes into the camera mm. right from the beginning, right? And then in, what, so in the early, ni- like in the 90s, uh, digital wasn't really a thing and black and white photography super cheap, plus my mom's old Minolta. Um, but I, you know, I'd go home every day and there's just like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hundreds, literally, of photos plastered all over every inch of our wall. Uh, my mom, you know, wasn't a professional, but she definitely photographed and documented us kids growing up, right? Yeah. So all four of us kids, like... The original from, Instagram. Uh, the original <laughs> Instagram, the right? Is your wall, <laughs> and then every time you throw a party, you, you know, like you're showing the story of your kids, right? Because yeah. uh, God knows we don't know how to talk to adults when we're teenagers, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, or appreciate anything, you know? Yeah, for sure. So anyway, so that, that was a really cool, I think... Uh, compositional lesson growing up is my mom had an eye clearly that transferred to me and she used her kids to express beauty and I've been able to be lucky enough to to travel for that beauty right Um, the biggest I think uh, transition I guess or the the point that really got the ball rolling was a four-month bike trip down the west coast and I went with my buddy Adam who lives in Portland now uh, we started in Jasper National Park and oh. rode for the next four months all the way down to San Diego. Oh, wow. And I just had a little Canon point and shoot, and it got me stuck on Canons, right? It was super easy to share on Facebook. That's the way to go. When Facebook was just between college friends, oh, yep. right? Yeah. Oh, man. And it was a beautiful thing, right? So we could use Facebook, show photos of where we were in Seattle, yeah. and someone in Portland would be like, hey, you coming this way? Oh, yeah. Come to my house, right? So we ended up staying for almost a month in Portland because everybody was so kind and the bike wow. culture there is super cool. And actually, that's how I really kind of started this uh, this adventure lifestyle. Mm-hmm. When I got back from my bike trip, my grandpa ended up passing away. And 
I just thought I was too young to work mm-hmm. for the rest of my life. And I hadn't finished school. I was 23. I was taking a couple years off. And I knew I always wanted to go back, but I didn't know what for. Right? Yeah. So then I'm, uh, I'm just remembering my, my time in Portland. And I met this one guy who went to Portland State. And he was a community developer. Okay? And I was like, what the hell is that? Like, I've never even heard of such a program, right? Yeah. And I did more digging once I got back. And within six months, I was enrolled in the School of Urban Planning. And this community development degree is finding, like, urban sustainability, but then culturing that to its citizens. Huh. So it's like this liaison between citizen action groups and political, you know, um, uh, languages, yeah. right? Because they often don't speak the same, right? And yeah. so community developers, like, basically help distill that, right? Um, which I think is really unique. And Portland's one of these bubbles of, of sort of progressive epicenters that focuses on really high civic engagement, mm-hmm. right? So we come back to Kyle. Kyle's gone through, you know, his whole education. And the amount of information that he's bringing back from the brewery side is just spectacular, right? And, like, that's why he, I think, is one of the best brewers, you know, maybe besides Third Space in this city, right? Like, these guys are specialists, when it comes to this knowledge, right? And to me, like, when I was going through community development, I always thought, like, there'd be two really good avenues for, like, culturing a community. One is be a pastor, okay? But the Bob Marley religion uh, works in Jamaica does not work really in Wisconsin, right? Well, not only that, but just the one love and being good to each other and and focusing on the, uh, the golden rule. Like, that just doesn't get taught enough in in church in my opinion yeah, so exactly. you so you do it in your own personal life and you treat people how you want to be treated and that was how my dad always uh, uh, taught us so mm. that wasn't for me okay right, right. Um, the other way would be to bar- be a bartender right <laughs> and have a and culture the community right and culture your friends and and people to um, appreciate what you're doing right yeah. and to save not save but to continue this legacy of keggles in there was no kids left to take over it was at the end of the line similar to kyle rosh's and i got to watch kyle rosh's change and go contemporary while i just sat back and watched it would have been really pretty interesting if kyle rosh's would have worked okay and people really dug the food right and what he did with the building because he you know he was closed for two months definitely right Um, it would have given me some license, right, to really sort of contemporize our food and, uh, mm-hmm. and go a different direction. But actually, I'm glad yeah. because um, for the sake of Carl Rosh's, like, Kegel's Inn survives now knowing that there's enough customers with a growing amount of support to save this tradition, right? And my great-grandma's recipes, that literally came from the old world, right? Because, like, we, we think about food now as this huge distribution system and all these tools to help us. Well, you got to remember, like, in the olden days, you had your farm, right, and you had your livestock, and you had your neighbors, and that was the network that you cooked your food, right? And we've forgotten that this fast food distribution network has really robbed robbed us of slow food, right? Mm -hmm. Cooking it from scratch. You know, our shanks take, like, nine hours to make. You just can't do it on the spot, right? Uh, So it's really interesting to, like, you know, Kegels in recognizes that it just we never got that fast food movement. We never got that heat and serve mm-hmm. concept because everything stayed the same, yeah. right? Crazy. 
And that was all a conscious decision. Uh, most definitely. From every generation down. Yeah. I just found a menu from 1983, and it is literally the same menu. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even joking. We didn't... Okay, so there was, like, stuffed mushrooms on it, and um, what else? Oh, they called it egg drop soup for some reason. <laughs> not very German. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's been changed. There's a few other, you know, there's a few other things, but yeah. the, the duck is the house specialty. The shanks are, you know, two 28-ounce pork hocks, you know, slow-cooked and fried crispy. Uh, like, it is just, it's something special, you know? Like, I can't take any credit for it, honestly. Like, yeah. we market more and we use Facebook and I show people what the inside of this building looks like with my pictures. Mm -hmm. And that helps, um, it helps, uh, what do you call it? Um, reverse the concept of these stained glass windows. Oh, sure. Right? At yeah. first, they were meant to keep onlookers from peering in on people drinking, yeah. but now it's actually a hindrance for people understanding what's inside. Mm. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's an interesting viewpoint. Yeah, totally. So yeah. how many people go past National Avenue every day? I mean, that's a major thoroughfare, especially yeah. with the zoo interchange being closed. Yep. Yep. And they see this beautiful land and stone building, and it's this, in this English Tudor style with, like, you know, this Germanic sort of upper. And yeah. they go, I've never been in there. I know exactly where Kegels Inn is. I know w what it is, I think, but I've never <laughs> been in there. And I think they have a pretty good fish ride, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 That go, so that must, with a stained glass here the entire time? Definitely. Okay. Everything's original yeah. still. Uh -huh. We have a few panes that have gotten busted over the years, right. but we've protected it, and there's, you know, there's protection over it so that they stay, they stay true. Nice. Right? That's, good. Hmm. That's awesome. So trying to think, think back. So bike trip, urban plant, or not urban planning. Mm -hmm. but yeah. the, was your dad Chris? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So do you know who Chris Cuggle is? No. Okay, he's, he's a pretty important guy in Wisconsin and southeastern Wisconsin. Wheelands, do you know what Wheelands Rocket is? Yeah. Yeah, so he's, and uh, they had that nice big bike, uh, it wasn't a race, but what was that for him? So we call it a slow roll. Okay, right? yeah. And that's actually like trademarked by uh, the, De the Detroit slow roll, right? That's the biggest one in the nation. But what we do is we call it Chris's slow roll um, because he got diagnosed with what's called cholangeal carcinoma. It's a, it's a bile duct cancer, it's super rare. Um, but we found out in September because he started getting jaundice, getting yellow, losing weight. But he's a bigger dude. He's not like the epitome of like what you'd think a biker dude is, right? He didn't wear spandex. He wasn't skinny. You know, he was like really happy and wanted to include everybody uh, in the bike riding scene, right? So that was his mission, get as many people on bikes as possible. So when he got sick, four days later, the city grants us the access to close the street down here, put up a huge tent, yeah. Trek Bicycles, who is in Waterloo, Wisconsin, they yeah. they were like, your dad has done far more for the, the industry. We can never repay him for this. We're committed to make this slow roll happen every year. Nice. Okay. Wow. So the first year, West Dallas designates uh, Chris Kegel Day in September. Um, the Hank Aaron Trail has a Chris Kegel Remembrance Day, and then we have the Slow Roll uh, this year, which is attached to our uh, Oktoberfest, nice. right? Yeah. So Saturday, uh, Friday and Saturday, we 
we party with the Oktoberfest, the Hofbrau Beer Garden. And then on Sunday, if you want to come, you basically just have to sign up online ahead of time so that we know you're coming. You'll get a free T-shirt. We'll do the bike ride down the Hank Aaron Trail, the downtown. We do this awesome aerial of everybody. Last year, it was in the shape of a bike, oh, right? Yeah. So it was right down by the Harley Museum. So there's this big imprint of 500 riders on the lawn with the Harley and the downtown in the back. That so cool. yeah. it's one of those things that just like screams bike Milwaukee, yeah. right? Yeah. Because if you look back at what biking in the city, in major cities used to look like, it was pretty abysmal. And the guys that sort of cultured biking, uh, were the messengers, right? And the guys that were using it for jobs, right? Mm -hmm. That, or there's this designation that if you ride a bicycle, you're broke no, or yeah. got a DUI, right? Yeah. And so there's a lot of negativity associated with bicycles, just politically and just the social fabric of, of exercise and nutrition and uh, being outside and smelling the fumes literally <laughs> as they go by, right? Yeah. Um, but once, once you realize that um, it's like, it's one of those place-making strategies that really does a good job at keeping local dollars in the local community. Mm. Bikers are some of the best, mm. right? Yeah. So anyway, so um, this bike ride is 10 miles. It's five miles an hour maximum, right? So there's no nice. need to rush. So it's super family friendly. We had four-year-olds do this thing last <laughs> year, okay? <laughs> So we ride down the Hank Aaron Trail, and then we come back for the party, and it's free food, it's free beer, all wow. sponsored by Trek. The, we have German music this year, so we've got a 15-piece uh, uh, German band called Blaskapel. They'll be performing on Oktoberfest the night before, so like, it's just like this really good synergy of a great event, a good, a good fundraising uh, um, option, plus it's attached to the German Oktoberfest that we throw at Kegels, right? Um. That's yeah, awesome. So I wanted to bring that up because I know that's a pretty <clears throat> important part. Yeah, we appreciate that oh, for sure. So, yeah. It's small walkie, right? That's right. So. Yeah. I mean, that when we walked in here, I mean, there was two guys from Corvina Wine Company, which their wine store is right down the, from where I grew up. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. this is, I was telling him, man, it was a small world here. You yeah. Know, yeah. And I yeah. see them two hanging out at the bar talking to you. So. Yeah, I assumed you weren't Julian because I've gone to so many <laughs> bars with Tim where, like, the bartender knows him. I'm like, oh, okay, that's, like, the bartender. <laughs> right, <laughs> so I was right. like, <laughs> Wonder where this Julian guy is. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, just Tim. Tim knows everyone. <laughs> That's cool. So, what is the best beer to pair with a fish fry? The yeah. best you, beer. You seem like mm -hmm. a beer guy because you, Tim asked like, "Oh, what you got?" and you gave like actual recommendations. Yeah. With like mm -hmm. reasoning. Mm -hmm. So. Well. I'm ready for it? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough question. I when I was in Portland, I. Would, you know, you instantly become an IPA snob, right? Because oh, yeah. that's just uh, through osmosis, right? <laughs> uh, and you can't get anything else. Okay? Yeah. So then, when you don't I, need anything, you else. don't need anything else, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then when I came back to Kegels, and there's 11 beers all from Germany on tap, and you just start trying them, right? And and you go every one of these beers. Every there's a different characteristic. So there's Dunkel, there's Lagers, there's Kolsch's, there's Doppelbox and Weisses and Dunkel Weisses and Dunkels and <laughs> you know and Pilsners, right? <laughs> so we go through the line and we've tried to identify like the best in class category, right? Mm. So if we like a Dunkel, it's the it's the Hofbrau Dunkel for a reason, right? It's not because we're aligned with Beer Capital, right? I mean, we are. We love them. They're giving us the Miller Lite stage for Oktoberfest. That's awesome, wow. right? Like, that's going to be a huge thing for us, right? Yeah. Um, but we also carry Spot and Optimator, and they're Oktoberfest year-round, right? And that's something that most places don't do because yeah. Oktoberfest is supposed to be seasonal. But yeah. it's so good, we just want it all year-round, yeah. right? 
Um, more and, people need to do that. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, totally. So I think along the lines of things not changing, our beer lineup is really pretty steady, okay? Except for one tap. I always rotate a local tap in there, oh, okay. right? Nice. And in, it can be German. doesn't have to be. You know, I pulled like a... The serendipity from New Glarus this past winter is that cherry delicious barley ale. I mean, it is high octane and is delicious, right? But in the winter months with a pork shank, wow, right? That is incredible because that salty, sweet, right, right? man, oh, it's ridiculous, right? Um, You know, the the Hefeweizen to me, that's like the summer, that's the season we're in right now. We're we're using Bull Falls. It's up in Wausau, tiny little brew pub. Nobody's heard of it. Yeah, never heard of it. Right. But their specialty, they're a German family. Their specialty is is doing German lineups, right? And your beer's gone. Mine's I mean, we're we, working You've been on doing it. all the talking. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, totally. um, but you'd be hard-pressed to think that this wasn't from Germany, right? No. Um, so, okay, so fish fry. Mm, we've got cod. We've got perch. We've got walleye. We've got seafood platter. Um, we've got, bl- did I say bluegill? No. no. Bluegill, right? Uh-huh. So each of those flavors deserves a different beer, in my opinion. You know, like the standard sea cod, right? That is like, it's super clean. It's nice. We use a little bit of rye bread in the breading. Ooh. Sorry, I'm divulging my <laughs> oh, secret here, right? Secrets. Okay. Um, Do I have to edit that out? No, no, it's okay. Yeah, that's all right. Um, you know, that's a really clean fish. That's yeah. no fishy aftertaste to it. You can yeah. get that in four or six pieces, and that washed down with what uh, Tim's drinking, the yeah. Kolsch. That is a great starter, right? And yeah. then maybe you have a doppelback afterwards when you're having your carrot cake, right? Uh, just double up oh, yeah, on that. Salad. Really, like, man, <laughs> malty and carrot and cream cheese frosting, grandma's recipe, uh, you know. My mouth's watering, you yeah, know, right. like, and I work here Love every day, you know, like, <laughs> this place just never gets old, honestly. Yeah, like, um, there's just so many co- different ways we can connect the beer to the food. Yeah. Uh, hey, you basically said it's better than the mountains. That's saying <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Did I say that? I, I mean, I'm... Indirectly. I yeah, guess, I'm, right? I'm kind yeah. of putting words in your mouth. Sure, that's yeah. what I got from it. <laughs> well, I think that's, you know, you bring back the photography, that's... That's maybe one of the only reasons I can be here is because I've saved all these beautiful places right. I've gone to. And no. if, I, if I'm in a place where I'm not happy, I can just go on a, my computer and print some stuff and, and work on work on procuring a, an event or a baby art, you know, gallery night or, or I'm in the ambassador now too. So like these oh. are just like little little injections of my like my mountain soul, I guess. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. I love that because I feel like you kind of touched on it before, but we get really negative about like where we live and yeah. I live in Kenosha. So I, people get even more negative about that <laughs> because they don't even have like the, the big city, you know, thing to, to fall back on. Yeah. Like, oh, bre- brewers, uh, box yeah. games, whatever. <laughs> like, we're like, yeah, well, Kenosha. Yeah. Yeah. And so I love that, just that mentality of like, well, like you actually can drive to here and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. have beautiful nature or the fact that I can walk like a couple blocks and then be in a giant lake is yep. crazy. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, you just need to take up surfing, and then you have a whole winter yeah. sport. That I or get a, it, yeah, I was yeah. like, I need a, a cold water wetsuit. Amen. To like, They're not that expensive. Like the, right? Yeah, the water is right there. I just yeah. need to get in it as often as possible. I think on Craigslist, there's a fair amount of uh, surfboards because people like are like, oh, yeah, I'm moving back to the Great Lakes. They're surfing there, and then they get in the water, and they're like, uh, screw that. Yeah. <laughs> you can surf. For sale. Yeah. <laughs> you can surf in, like, September maybe. Yeah, no, it's December, <laughs> January, February. <laughs> 
the, uh, no, yeah. like when the waves so it's are. only when like the northwest swells or the northeast swells come down from uh, like Ontario, mm. and it okay. pushes the pushes the lake water for long enough where you can actually get buildup, right? It's fabulous. Yeah. So I've only done it a couple times. Um, oh, you've done it. Absolutely, yeah, for yeah. sure. So Stephanie grew, uh, didn't grow up; she grew up in in uh, Michigan, but spent a couple years out in Hawaii, and she fell in love with surfing out there. So she uh, she can surf like you wouldn't believe. It's crazy, awesome. yeah. you know. I've oh. surfed once in Hawaii. It was awful. Yeah. It was, I mean, it's it was, more like it floating fun. and wiggling, it was right? Fun, but I had a horrible yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> Even in the the beautiful ocean, yeah. my arms awful. were tired. I'm trying to paddle it. I'm yeah. like, I just want to float out. People are blinded by Midwest pale skin. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, very yeah. pale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that. Yeah. And I, and Dolphin. I, and I think I felt like you, they tell you don't hit the ocean floor, but the current was so strong that I had to, yeah. and then I'm like paddling and I'm like, ah, my feet hurt. Yeah. I have like trail of blood behind me because mm. the coral just tore my uh, feet up. Yep, yep. <laughs> and the sea urchins and everything. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I didn't have to pee on myself though. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Someone else did for you. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, you don't have to worry about any of that in yeah. Great Lakes, right? Yeah, there's literally nothing in that, in that, yeah. in that lake of ours. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. Trout and salmon. Yep. Yeah. And zebra mussels. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, yeah. Those uh, could cut you up, right? <laughs> quagger mussels or whatever they are. Whatever the problem is now, right? Yeah. That we yeah. introduced to fix the first problem, right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But oh, now yeah. that, you know, even you go up the Milwaukee River and with the removal of F- Estabrook Dam, like yeah. you, you are seeing more fly fishing guys, right, on the rivers and just uh, trying to find this tranquility in the city. And Milwaukee is a great spot for it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how many people know that uh, uh, Frederick Law Olmsted, like, created the park system here who was responsible for Central Park in New York, right? So he went out, he went around uh, the whole country and basically did these uh, infrastructure projects where these cities were planning for growth. And he came in and said, you have to have green space for these people, right? If it's all urban jungle, you get L.A., right? Mm. He didn't make it out there, it seems like, right? Yeah, right yeah. It's just concrete jungle, yeah. right? Yeah. But here in Milwaukee, we've got this sort of, it's called the Emerald Necklace, basically, this focus of preserving the space around the rivers, right? Putting the multi-use bike trail, that's what the Oak Leaf Trail is. Yep. Uh, that's one of those last few refuges uh, uh, in the city, right, that you can explore just by walking outside your door, right? Yeah. So that's actually a good tie-in with the Chris Kegel Foundation, right? Yeah, right? So after my dad passed, we started the foundation with top executives from all over the country in the bike business. We got People for Bikes. We got tr- the guys from Trek and Schwinn and um, some of the... Uh, uh, lobbyists from DC, and th- we just have this really nice network of of high-powered inv- individuals that want to focus on seeing infrastructure grow here in Milwaukee. Okay, mm-hmm. and that's really special. Like Milwaukee's getting this extra focus on their bike system. Okay, yeah. now for years we had this program called Complete Streets. Okay, it was a federal mandated program where dollars from feds came to every state, and every road that got ripped up from the bottom up had to incorporate pedestrian uh, right-of-ways, blind and auditory uh, signals, and bike lanes, right? Mm. So it it tried to incorporate all multi-use, right? And that was mandatory, okay? So two years ago, the Bike Fed of Wisconsin really tried to lobby against Walker's push to make that uh, optional for cities and municipalities. Because I think the big thing is uh, out in West Dallas, they put a bike lane right down (laughs) Highway 100, so you get you know thousands of people saying, 
why is this bike lane here? Nobody ever uses it. Well, you'd be out of your mind to use it, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Because it didn't fit the place. Yeah. But that was taken out of context, right? And so, like, instead of saying you you have to make bike lanes uh, in these places, they should have just said, you know, where it makes sense, mm -hmm. right? Instead of giving municipalities the option of even getting the money, right? Because then then they're just free to do what they've been doing business as usual, right? And then bike doesn't bike infrastructure, pedestrian infrastructure, blind access doesn't increase, right? It only yeah. stagnates in the places where people care about. That's crazy to me, yeah. you know. Yeah. So anyway, so Chris Cagle Foundation comes back and says, we're going to raise money for awesome, by throwing awesome events for local infrastructure projects here. Okay, so we kind of like make these, uh, these landmark decisions to say, where is this money going to go? And last year, the opportunity came to install money into the park system. Okay, and we're working with the parks and the bike fed to identify 30 of the places in Milwaukee on the Oak Leaf Trail where you're riding your bike or you're walking and the Oak Leaf Trail has one sign that goes right with the path going right. And then there's a split and it's a fork and the Oak Leaf Trail goes left and it's the same sign split both ways. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense. Which way do I go, right? Yeah. And if you're in Greenfield Park, you take the wrong way, you end up on 116th Street, which is not the, not the right way. If you were to magically pick the right way, you'd end up on the Root River Parkway, which is fabulous, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we're taking uh, a new approach. We're basically creating a color-coding, co color-coded subway map system, right? Mm -hmm. So you go to London and anybody can use it because you're like on the red line from downtown to the airport. That's yeah. all you need. Yeah. Well, if you're going from you know Tosa to downtown, you'll follow the yellow Menominee River Trail to the purple Hank Aaron Trail that goes to downtown, and the the signage will will be color coordinate, coordinated with kiosk maps, basically showing you where to go. Right? Smart. Yeah, it's fabulous, right? Yeah. So like real, useful real tangible, yeah. useful, yeah. Yeah. make biking more uh, easier to to navigate in yeah. Milwaukee, right? Yeah. And it'll benefit everybody. Yeah. So win win, yeah. right? Awesome. That's, That's awesome. good. That's a Chris Cable Foundation. That's good. Yeah. You want to do? Is it gimmick time? It's gimmick time. All nice. right. Gimmick on. That's right. So pass uh, the torch to Tim. <laughs> Let's see. You had friends coming in from out of town. Your friends from Alaska come down or whatever. Mm -hmm. There you go. Uh, where would you take them? Don't say a brewery game. Don't <laughs> say a Bucks game or whatever. Uh, yeah. Try to be creative with it. <laughs> What's my limit of range, right? Do, yeah, in any, Milwaukee any, or is Wisconsin, it anything, in Wisconsin? Anything. Yeah. As long as it's Wisconsin. You could sneak into Illinois if you got something. Sure. Eh, no need. Yeah. Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Unless you like. You know, I haven't been to Six Flags in forever. <laughs> yeah, I, I think right, that would right. be hilarious. As long as it rained and lightning, like, <laughs> like three hours before, and oh, the yeah. park just reopens oh. with no lines, yeah. like that would be the only way I'd do it, right? Yeah. Okay, right. so that doesn't count. Um, one of my favorite places in this area is the Porcupine Mountains. Uh, that's up in the UP. It's right on the coast of Lake Superior. It's it's actually um, one of those few places that reminds you so much of Alaska that mm. it would be a good. Uh, a good place to take people just to find that solitude, find nature again, and have yeah. tons of hiking yeah. in like little mountains, right? These yeah. are ancient mountains that got grinded by the glaciers. There's just like this uh, incredible synergy between what happened here in Wisconsin and what's actually going on right now in Alaska's uh, glacial retreat, right? So it's really cool. So my second would be to take them to Kettle Moraine, okay? Oh, yeah. Um, yep. There's north and south units, right? So if we're going mountain biking, we're going to the southern trails. We'll go John Muir trails to Emmer Carlin. It's about 
I think there's somewhere in the neighborhood of 70 or 80 miles wow. if you were to do loops and connector trails and, and, and whatnot. So yeah. that's a pretty big area, right? That yeah. would wear anybody out. Okay. Yeah. In the northern part, uh, like by Dundee and Newfane, um, there's this this uh, mound called the, the Dundee, Mul- it's called a Mulan Came, okay? K-A-M-E. And that is the process of where a glacier, okay, is stagnant or retreating, and all the meltwater from on the top of it finds a weakness and bores this huge hole, wider and wider and wider and wider. And as this meltwater is flowing and depositing gravel, uh, it leaves a cone in its place when the glacier is gone, okay? So this is a 275-foot pile of gravel, okay? It's huge. It's yeah. half the size of the first star building, yeah. right? Yeah. Or U.S. Bank building, yeah. sorry. I hate <laughs> yeah, right? That's a throwback. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in Alaska, when I was a guide, I was working on glaciers that were, you know, three miles to 10 miles to 16 miles. And the biggest Mulan came I ever saw was 20 feet. Mm. Wow. 20 feet tall, which is huge, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. That's a lot of gravel, right? It's like this excavator conveyor belt, just like dumping gravel for a thousand years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like this timeline is just so beyond our, our comprehension that it's leaving signatures in the Wisconsin landscape that I don't think anybody appreciates other than like the Ice Age Trail and the hikers and the mountain bikers that use it for recreation. Yeah. But I don't think people realize how close it is to Milwaukee and something that's so much bigger than us, right? Yeah. Connects us to this land and a time way beyond us. And, yeah, right. you know, anytime you can, you can replace or once you anytime you can place yourself as being so small and insignificant in this world, you just really think get a better sense of, uh, uh, the wonder of this place, right? Yeah. And whatever you call that, if that's your spirituality, or if that's your religion, or if that's just what you do for fun, right? Yeah. Awesome. Those are answers we have never heard before. Nice. So, so well done. Righteous. Yeah. Wow. I'm excited to check that out, though. So, I, you know, my default is just to go play, right? I yeah. work my butt off, and uh, you work hard, play hard, right? right? Yeah. So. That's good, man. Yeah. And then uh, one more gimmick question. Um, so obviously this is my favorite fish fry, and it's probably your favorite fish fry. I would assume. <laughs> um, when you order your fish fry, what do you? What fish do you order, and how do you order it? Do you have like obviously I know how you guys do it here with potato pancakes and everything, but what's uh, what's the route you take? Mm-hmm. Um, my recommendation would be going with the perch and the potato pancakes. Yeah. Um, our Fresh Lake perch is delicious. Right, and it's skin on, and so that may bug some people, um, <clears throat> but I just don't think that perch is going to be along, around for too much longer. Like we have to go all the way to northern Canada to right. pluck these things out of the lakes, right? Mm-hmm. And they're getting smaller and smaller every year. Yeah. They really are, yeah. and we can see it, uh, you know, year by year. It's it's gradual over time, and most customers probably wouldn't notice because they actually just get an extra piece on the plate now, right? Oh, but sure. back in the day when they first started, it was three pieces of perch, right? Oh. Now it's five. Oh, right. Yeah, that small now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that sucks. But I, I personally, you know, the potato pancakes to me are like, uh, they're they're really hard not to have, you know. <laughs> and then we make we hand and make our coleslaw. It actually, it's so good that it actually looks like it's out of a can. But our cook Bonnie, she's been here for thirty years, ever since she was sixteen. Wow. She's made it every week, every time she's been here, right? <laughs> And so talk about efficiencies, right? She's so good at it that it makes like canned coleslaw 
um, like it puts it to shame, right? Yeah. And that and the bread, the rye bread that we get with salted rye on caraway seeds on top, the coleslaw sandwich between rye bread, man, is like my favorite. It's mm. like, I don't know why. Everybody thinks it's gross, but a coleslaw rye sandwich, for like whatever reason. Coleslaw on rye. Coleslaw on rye, man. man it is uh, weird, but delicious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I think we, we kind of have this really nice pairing of, you know, the tartar sauce is just a little sweet. We use sweet pickle relish. Uh, we, we mix that from scratch. You know, I think the nice thing is that um, you you can find a lot of manufactured fish fries that put stuff from cans right on the plate. Yep. And it's probably pretty good for most people. But taking it to the next level, everything's just got to be done by hand. Yep. Yeah. Right. And it shows every Friday night. No doubt. When you come, when you come here, so. Yeah, that's right. I feel like I'm. Am I forgetting one more question? Uh, no, because norm. Yeah, no, because normally you'd ask favorite fish fry, but. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Unless there's another one. <laughs> that's, like, that's a conflict of interest, yeah, right? Well, I wish I could come get out here. for more fish fries. Right, yeah, you yeah. know, that's um, true. <laughs> it's not a fish fry, but one of my favorite fish plates is over at uh, Maison. It's the new French restaurant by um, uh, a guy who was a chef over at Coquette Cafe. Oh, yeah. And it took over the old Meritage spot on Valite. And he's got this white fish uh, in parchment paper and grilled zucchinis and lemon in there. And it is fine. Mm. Right? So. Well, I have have a question for you. Yeah. Old fashioned whiskey or uh, (laughs) whiskey or brandy and sweet and sour. And because uh, I met Julian at the Old Fashioned Fest that we had, that Shepherd Express through here in Milwaukee, and I know you made the the award winner mm-hmm. the, for the first the first inaugural one. So, what's your old fashioned? <clears throat> so one of my favorite old fashions uh, comes from Ishnala. Uh, it's there on, we go. It's on Mirror Lake, right overlooking the lake there, and it's like this old wartime cabin that was built by seven brothers. Man, it is just out of this world so beautiful okay it's unlike any other supper club because it's only open during the summers right which is crazy because their old-fashioned is so like mulled christmas spice Mm. flavored that like it just warms you having it right Mm. um so i mimic that concept so there's nutmeg and cinnamon and black pepper and actually tons of black pepper and white pepper and uh cardamom and allspice cloves i mean the list is like to, you know, a page long, right? <laughs> and so I brew this, my simple syrup. Uh, it goes into a kegs where we mix the soda water with it. So that's my sweet concoction. And then um, oh. we used uh, Great Northern Whiskey from Plover, Wisconsin, to, or it was a Vanguard whiskey, sorry, uh, to pour in the rest of the kegs. And so as that marinates for a couple days, it just like, it's such a beautiful color. And then we, uh, we marinate uh, the cherries in like heaps and heaps of peppercorns so that 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 spice really comes out uh, at the end of the sweet sour sweet sour uh, whiskey mash uh, to really pop it at the end nice. and actually we throw ground pepper on top of it so that was the winner yeah. um, so that would definitely be my favorite um, if you were to go anywhere and they didn't have that I would go for a bullet uh, rye um, whiskey old-fashioned sour with olives all right. Oh, you're an olive guy. All right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just adds. I had the, one with olives. Oh man. It seems off-putting to me. I think I know what we're doing after this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, mean, it's, I like olives and like old fashions. So. Right. <clears throat> yeah. You know, at the bar, uh, when people are waiting for a fish fry, sometimes it's like an hour, and those olives just 
put you over for a little bit because you're starving. <laughs> Maybe you're on cocktail three, you know, and you've had six olives already. So that's a pretty good meal, you know. <laughs> uh, there's worse ways to wait for food. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Now, do you have anything else you'd like to plug? Um, well, it's just been a, you know, it's been fabulous talking to you guys for sure. And we appreciate, you know, coming out and, and seeing, uh, and seeing the process, you know, I guess to me, it's like, you can't hear the energy in this place unless you're here on Friday night. Um, so that audio, you'll just have to envision, right? Yeah. When's the Oktoberfest? Ah, Oktoberfest. Good call. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, what are, what are you guys are planning for fall already. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> so definitely save the dates. Uh, we call it Milwaukee's first Oktoberfest. Okay? We didn't invent Oktoberfest. Yeah. Okay? That was like Lord, it, Lord Ludwig in <laughs> yeah. 1300s or whatever, right? And, <laughs> yeah, I was losing his daughter yeah, to a yeah, wedding, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. I'm, thinking, I'm thinking the other king. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, yeah, right? The... Uh, uh, the first Oktoberfest after German Fest. So German Fest is the last weekend in July. We throw ours the last weekend in August because we feel like everybody that is in Milwaukee is somehow German during Oktoberfest, right? Which stretches for two weeks, but then in Milwaukee, it's four weeks. <laughs> right. And for us, it's five weeks, right? So we're just lengthening that Oktoberfest season. But this year is really special. Um, it's going to be on August 24th and 25th. That's a Friday night and Saturday night. So not only are we going to do it like last year where we had the fish fry out under the tent with all the live music and the Hofbrau beer garden, um, we're also inviting all the local brewers that do some sort of German spin on their beers to do, we're, we're not sure whether it's going to be a competition yet or whether it's just going to be enjoying local Oktoberfest styles, yeah. but you'll be able to taste beer, Oktoberfest and German beers from 20 to 30 beer oh, vendors, cool. right? Oh, that's awesome. And that was the, we're talking Dan Devine's praises, right? Like he helped. Uh, be a big proponent of closing national down, making this a place that uh, we don't have to worry about car traffic anymore. We've, we've got Public Table, which is a local street food uh, restaurant opening up in, in late July. We hope that uh, Oktoberfest is the grand opening ribbon cutting on Friday night. We'll be doing free beer. You know, we'll smash the keg and, and, and hand out free beer. Um, we've got lots of German dancers and heritage. We're, we're thinking of working with Barley to Barrel, um, which is a, you know, a, a basically like a commercial brewing uh, seed company, right? They're, they're like educating guys on like, well, let's, let's, let's now think about commercial brewing instead of just doing it for all my friends, right? Yeah. So they walk you through a 10-week class showing you all the logistics and the licensing and the insurance with actually starting your own commercial brewery, That's right? Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his name is Johnny Graham. He's also a USM alum. Right. He'd be a really good one to talk to next, right? right cool. So anyway, so we're working with him. Maybe we do some educational programs inside Kegels. Uh, you know, it's a nice quiet space when we're closed on Saturday. Um, but look for nonprofits. Look for artisan food vendors, cheese and sausages that have not necessarily a German flair, but have like this old world heritage style of cooking, right? Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of them in Milwaukee that we should support. So we're gonna bring them here to the street. It'll be the kickoff to all these breweries releasing their Oktoberfest. So it'll be kind of your first chance to get a taste of a range of them that'll be available for the next month, awesome. right? Yeah. That's so that's kind of the concept. We right? should go to him. Yeah. Amen. To totally. Yeah. Cool. Uh, where can people find your photography? Ah. Instagram or? You know, uh, I've been kind of lazy on the photography side. I like the print 
uh, side a it's lot not like more. You're busy so or anything. <laughs> not like I'm busy. I've got an 11 month old daughter, Josephine. <laughs> nice. So we we're just having such a great time with her, watching her grow up in the restaurant business, and yeah. uh, it just reminds me of me and my siblings growing up at Wheel and Sprocket. And like, yeah, sure, employees are going to be pissed off when she starts walking and un, you know pouring beer all over everything and getting into the taps. But I remember stories that we own Sprocket when me and my brother would tear apart ski wax displays. And nice. ski wax is like, you know, an inch big or, and around and thousands of pieces. And, you know, staff would be like, oh, these kids, you know. But that's part of it, you know. Yeah. That's what you got to deal with with family business, right? Yeah. So. Awesome. Yeah, most definitely. Well, uh, we end every episode by saying on Wisconsin together. Yeah, all righty. Uh, so. Josh will kind of cue you up on it. Well, we'll not the song. We just say yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know it. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think, uh, we don't either. Yeah, no. um, and so then that'll, that'll end the, the episode. So Josh. Yeah. Well, thanks again. Yeah. yeah. Man, thank you. Sure. Thank you, Julian. Anything else? Nope. That's it. So as always, on, on Wisconsin. Wisconsin. <laughs> hey everyone! Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Our opening theme is by Nathan Honore. Please follow us on Twitter at Fish Fry Pod or search on Facebook Friday Fish Fry Podcast. Also, if you would like to support our show, you can use our Amazon link on our website, fishfrypod.com. Or please rate us on iTunes. Catch you next week.